Welcome to Train the Prophets. Leslie Johnson is an author, speaker, minister, and an ordained prophet. I'm Prophet Leslie. I'm calling the church to order. Today's topic is, what is a prophet? Maybe some of you have wondered, could I be a prophet? Maybe I'm, you're wondering somebody I know. Are they a prophet? I encourage you to go to my website, traintheprophets.com, and to order this book, What It Takes to Be a Prophet. So I have a question for you today. How many of you have wondered if you have a prophet calling on your life? How many of you wondered, do I have the characteristics to be a prophet? Maybe you've wondered, why is this happening to me? Why do I have these dreams? Why do I have these visions? Lord, are you calling me to be a prophet? I encourage you to get the book to answer those questions further than this session. So what is a prophet anyway? Prophet has 454 scriptures with some form of the word prophet in it through the King James Bible. The Hebrew word for prophet is nabi. It means to bubble forth as from a fountain, means to utter. Nabi is the first and the most generally used word for a prophet and sometimes called seer as in the reference to Samuel. Now, it does not mean a prophet has this bubbling personality like me. <laughs> doesn't mean that at all. However, that means to bubble forth to speak the word of the Lord. In Joshua 13.22, Balaam is called a kosim, a diviner, which is a word used only for a false prophet. A prophet is one who speaks forth. Prophets are basically a spokesperson for God. This person is chosen by God to speak to the people on his behalf and convey a message or teaching. It can be oral or can be written. So why do we need prophets today anyway? Because if all of us can hear the word of the Lord, if all of us can hear his voice, if we are following him, we're his sheep, then why do we need prophets anyway? Well, I'm going to answer that question. Because today we do need prophets. Because we are the ones, those that have a calling on their life to be a true prophet of God, at least a major prophet of God, those need to, to give the warnings of judgment coming to the nation, specifically the United States as a nation, because America is founded on Christian roots. The question is, did prophecy end with the coming of Jesus who delivered the fullness of the law? Some Christians would say yes, and they believe that prophecy ended with the last of the prophets in the Old Testament, only allowing an exception with John the Baptist as a prophet. The New Testament does discuss prophets existing after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It includes some of the scriptures we'll see here in a minute on Revelation, in Matthew, in John, in Acts. It is true that the Holy Spirit leads people to the faith in Jesus. It is true that we as Christians should be able to hear his voice, to act on his voice, to hear his voice, to be obedient to his voice. And also it is true that with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating through us. And if we have the gifts operating through us, then we should be able to hear the Lord and then act with those gifts. And in Revelation 11.10 says, And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, and make merry, and shall sing gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. This is in Revelation. That's in the New Testament. In Matthew 10.40 it says, he that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And then verse 41 says, He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet 
shall receive a profit reward, and he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man reward. So here we see several scriptures in the New Testament that show the word profit. So it's not just for the Old Testament, and it did not stop just with John the Baptist. In Acts 11.25-28 through 28 says, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And in these days came prophets. So here we have in Acts, prophets, the word prophets, from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood, stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. In Acts 13.1, it says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets. Again, we are talking about in Acts. This is after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is after it talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the New Testament, not the Old Testament. So there were certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and, Sim Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger and so forth. Then Acts 15.32 says, And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. It is true that the Holy Spirit leads people to faith. And again, we're supposed to have that ability to hear the Lord clearly, to speak the word of the Lord, and that those that are the head of the house should be able to lead and direct the people in their home or family and friends that know them and love them and say, you do hear from God, to heed the warnings even in our homes. But unfortunately today, we do need prophets. I think it's actually a very wise thing. It's a, it's a fortunate thing that we should have in our churches. We need the apostles, the prophets, not just the teachers or the evangelists or the pastors. We need the prophets in the church because they have a new level, a different level that they hear the Lord on. So it's important. Now, I'll talk on another session about the different levels of prophets. Some are called to be home prophets or church prophets. Maybe some are called city prophets or regional prophets and then some are called national prophets or even international prophets. Even though there's a maybe a minor prophet that gets to go internationally sometime, they may not have the calling on their life to be a major prophet. And we will talk about in these sessions the difference between a minor prophet and a major prophet, also the difference between intercessor and also a prayer warrior. Now there's some Christians that hold the view as sensationism. They believe that these gifts, such as speaking in tongues, were given at the New Testament times and ceased after the apostles died. However, many Christians almost universally agree that certain spiritual gifts are still in effect today. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Ghost, but He has a special gift He wants to, to impart in you. When you ask for that baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you ask for those gifts to be imparted into you, there's a difference in your life. Those gifts are become, that's like you open them up. We all love gifts, right? At least most people love gifts. So you open up the gift to see what it does. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does. It exhorts you, it stirs you up, it encourages you to practice those gifts, to see what the discernment means, for example. Yes, while you may not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit. 
but let's take it to a new level with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, prophets, they can bless. In Genesis 20, verse 2, it says, And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. And then verse 3 says, But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. See, Abraham lied, but God came to him and told him the truth. And then in verse 7, it says, Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are with him. It's a good thing to know that also prophets can curse. Prophets, we can bless, but there's also prophets that curse. Coming against prophets on, or their family can bring death. It's not something that we want to ever happen, but for major prophets, be careful coming against them because God wants you to bless them, not curse them. Often fear and trembling of the Lord follows prophets. They can enter a room and there's all kinds of um, maybe things going on in that room, but when the prophet, when a major prophet of the Lord walks in, most heads turn. They see who entered the room because there's something that something, something changed in the atmosphere. I've seen it happen. There's like a presence just came in. It does not mean that that person's lifted up. It does not mean that person is elevated to be like a king or even a president, but there's something about them that they carry. There's a strong, stronger anointing, a higher calling on their life. But, you know, with every higher calling, God holds them more responsible for things in the life that they have chosen. So the question still is, why do we need prophets? Because we can, if we bless the prophets, then they return the blessing back to us. Prophets are role models. They're role models of holiness and righteousness and having a close relationship with God. They'll call repentance when they speak and minister. Repentance will happen when a true prophet of God ministers. If there's not repentance taking place, if people aren't getting on their hands and their knees, maybe on their face, crying out to God, if that's not happening, then that person, I'm sure, is not a true prophet. Because just like an evangelist that gets people stirred up to repent and ask Jesus in their heart, a true prophet of God is going to call people to holiness. Call them to righteousness. That's always going to be their end of their talk. Always going to be who they are. They strive to be walking as close with the Lord as possible. To them, to a true prophet of God, the number one thing is the will of God. Number one thing is to please the Lord. And when they feel like they haven't, it's a bad day for them. Prophets set the standards for the entire community, the entire nation, really, especially a Christian nation. They set the standards for a church. That's why we need the prophets in the church. Some don't like that because they're convicted. Some don't like to uh, be confronted with sins that they're committing. Some don't like that someone maybe can read their mail, so to speak. But a true prophet wants to see, pers wants to see the church uh, walk in holiness and to walk in righteousness. That's the calling that I desire. And I, I really see that other true prophets of God desire that too. So prophets, they are the mouthpiece by which God speaks to men. 
And Jeremiah 1.9 says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Then Isaiah 51.16 says, And I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. Therefore, what the prophet says is not of man, but it is of God. And 2 Peter 1.20 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And Hebrews 3.7 says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if you will hear his voice. And that's what I'm saying to you today. Today, if you will hear his voice, you'll, you'll find out by watching these YouTube sessions, you're going to find out what it really means to be a prophet, what a true prophet looks like, what the true prophet will say. So I encourage you to follow this ministry. Acts 4.25 says, Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? And then Acts 28.25 says, and when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet into our fathers. There really are prophets of today, just like there were in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's still prophets around today, but they've been shunned. They've been kicked out. And I will be the first to admit it's because there's many knuckleheads that are calling themselves prophets that have walked into the church turned over tables, and they're out of order. They're like loose cannons, and they need to have some structure. They need to be trained. Many believe that a prophet is any person who sees the future and can prophesy. Not true. Matter of fact, we're all to prophesy. If you're a Christian, especially those of you that had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of those gifts, the nine gifts, we're all to prophesy. Prophesy means to exhort, to lift up, to encourage, to comfort. That's what prophesy means. But there's some prophets, they have a greater gifting of, of prophesying. Uh, one of my greater gifts of the, of the nine gifts would be a word of knowledge and word of wisdom, for example. But yes, I can prophesy. By the way, it's not good to just call me on the phone and say, Hey, you're a prophet of God. Give me a word of the Lord. Not so great. You will not want that word of the Lord. So don't do that. I encourage you to not do that. While the gift of prophecy certainly includes the ability to see the future, a prophet is far more than just a person with that ability. The Old Testament prophets were special agents of Jehovah God. They corrected kings. They corrected the nations. They warned of the judgment of God. They're called. They're raised up and sent to develop others and to motivate them to duty. Prophets today also, just like in the Old Testament, they convict sin. They call repentance and reformation. A prophet is foretelling that involves insight into the will of God. They exhort others to stir them up, you know, like stirring your coffee. They're going to stir you up, motivate you. They're going to challenge you. They're going to charge you to do the things of the Lord, to do things right. They want you to obey the will of the Lord. Again, you got to remember, the first thing, the number one thing to a prophet is the will of God. That's number one. To please the Lord. If they, it doesn't matter whether they please anything else on this earth, but if they aren't pleasing God, it really bothers them a lot. 
Also, a prophet has foresight or foretelling, which foresight means to predict the future and encourage righteousness. And again, to release blessings or cursings. Now, I say cursings, and I want to be careful with that because there are some that just want to go around cursing, you know, causing, speaking death over someone. That's the wrong thing. That's the wrong attitude. And that does not make you a prophet. And I encourage you to not do that because that curse is going to come back on you if you're speaking those things. You may ask, are there female prophets? Were there female prophets of the Bible? Well, let's find out. A prophet is not necessarily a man. There are scripture records of female prophets. Sarah, for example, you can find that in Genesis. Miriam, uh, Deborah, Hannah, Abigail, Huldah, Noadiah, Anna, and then also a well-known false prophet, Jezebel. That'll be another day. A true prophet of God is going to have sleepless nights because they're first called to be an intercessor. I had someone come up to me one time. Uh, we were praying for different uh, levels like an intercessor, uh, praying for people to, if they had a calling on their life to be a teacher or an evangelist or pastor. And it was amazing how many people wanted to come up to be called or to be prayed for for a prophet. But we always called up the intercessors first because they're so important. They're so important to the body of Christ. And, so, you know, we're all to be intercessors. We're all to intercede. But some have a stronger anointing, stronger calling than the average Christian out there to be a true intercessor of God. But that does not make them a prophet. While they may hear things, see things, pray for things, God gives them dreams and visions to pray for, does not mean that they're the mouthpiece to speak those things. It means for them to pray. So if somebody is a called to be a prophet, they will be an intercessor first. But I had this man come up to me, and I said, he wanted me to pray for him, to anoint him uh, for the office of a prophet. And I said, well, I didn't see you come up here for when we were praying for those that were called to be an intercessor. He goes, oh, I'm not an intercessor. I, you know, I'm a prophet of God. I don't need to be an intercessor. And I said, then go sit down. Go sit down because if you can't first be an intercessor, then you are not a prophet of God. And he turned around and sat back down. He didn't like it. He maybe even walked out. I don't remember. It doesn't really matter. The point is, you must be an intercessor first. And then a prayer warrior. There's different levels of an intercessor. Another day, we'll talk on that more too. In Luke 2.36 says, And there was one Anna, a prophetess. 37 says, And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She was called to be a prophetess. Now, some of the, 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 the words they use, prophetess, um, which really means the wife of a prophet, but there are some that were called to be a prophet. It's just they called them prophetess. Now, if you do a study about that, there's, it's not gender related. In other words, an evangelist can be male or female. A teacher can be male or female. A pastor can be male or female. An apostle can be male or female. And so are prophets. So that's why they call me prophet. When we realize I don't, I'm not supposed to be really called a prophetess, um, I'm not um, really the wife of a prophet. I'm the wife of an apostle, but I'm not the wife of a prophet. So for many years now, 
Our church and those that know me call me prophet, not prophetess, and that's why. Now, Judges 4.4, Deborah, my favorite prophet of all. Uh, she was a prophet, the wife of Labadeth, the judge. She also was a judge. She was a judge of Israel at that time. And the reason she was a judge, you know that she had to have earned the respect from men. Men trusted her. She was a judge of righteousness. She gave blessings and cursings. In Judges 6, 8, God sent out a prophet, but the people didn't listen. He said, I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians. He, he says, I sent a prophet, but you did not listen. You have not obeyed my voice. And so what happened? The people cried out to God. So the Lord sent them a prophet. However, that people didn't listen. So they were oppressed. A prophet will edify. They're, they're called to edify others. Like 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, But he that prophesied speaketh unto men edification, exhortation, and comfort. A prophet is direct. A prophet has knowledge of the future. A prophet receives visions or dreams. And also a prophet transfers the anointing. So if you ever come to my training classes, you will find that I'll lay hands on everyone that comes for that transfer of the anointing. A prophet is very spirit sensitive. They're naturally sensitive too, I might add. Have a sensitive heart. We have such a sensitive heart. Um, we can break easy. You might not think that because they seem to have uh, such a boldness about them. Yes, I have a boldness about me when I'm under the anointing. But when I come off the anointing and I'm back to Leslie, you know, I'm very, very sensitive and my heart can really hurt, can break. So just know that just because they seem so tough on the outside does not mean that they're not sensitive on the inside. A prophet, they break spiritual bondages. They change structures and organizations. They change the directions of people. And their words carry spiritual forces. And they're God, God's direct mouthpiece. They scare those around them. You know, sometimes I like to go, boo, <laughs> as I walk by, because it scares them. I guess I scare people. I mean, I'm five foot. I don't understand how I can scare people, but they do. They tell me, my, my nephew, he goes, sometimes you scare me. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm, you know, but they, there's an anointing that comes with a true prophet of God, and it does scare them. It scares those around them. One time, uh, Stan asked, uh, we had, I think there was four prophets in the room and we had done a crusade and there was one that was like I don't know he's I think he's six six something like that probably 300 and something pounds prophet of God with a deep voice you know and then there's three others that were there two other men I think and then there was me uh, so Stanley goes I'm just gonna take a survey I want to know which prophet here are these four up here that scare you the most is it this one? Is it this one? Is it this one? And a few hands would go up, like one or two hands, every time he'd mention one of the men's names there. Then he came to me, and all these hands went flying up. And I started like, what? Did you not see that guy over there? He's six six. I'm five foot, and you're scared of me? They're like, yes, we're scared of you. You're the scariest prophet up there. So it's something about the anointing. It's also something that, I must say that as prophets, generally the prophet of God doesn't ask for the as many aspects that God's called them to do. They don't enjoy the anointing that God puts on them. The only thing that makes me uh, like uh, love the anointing is because 
Nothing hurts when I'm under the anointing. All the pain goes away. If you're having a back pain, goes away. If you're having a knee pain, goes away. Feeling sick to your stomach, goes away. Because the anointing, that's what's so awesome about it. It is addicting. Also, prophets insist on accurate interpretation of scriptures. Insist on revelation from the Holy Spirit as opposed to carnal reasoning of the scriptures. Prophets' words produce lasting results. They endure time, persecution, and affliction, and they transmit and confirm or recognize the anointing on someone. Prophets, we see in black and white. This is right, this is wrong. No gray area at all. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, you can't, can't go partial. It's got to be one or the other. Uh, they're often dogmatic and relenting. Um, they'll not compromise the written word for convenience. And prophets are not going to compromise a prophetic word. And they do have a special place in God's presence. Sometimes prophets, true prophets of God, are offensive because the truth hurts. The truth offends. And when a prophet speaks the truth and someone doesn't want to hear the truth, it's going to offend them. Um, you know, I know it's kind of like a child that you're getting on to them. They, you're telling them something that they need to, to change about their life and they don't want to hear it and they rebel. Well, that's the church. That's why my calling is to call the church back to order. We've allowed, unfortunately, some weak pastors. I'm not trying to offend. Well, I guess I am offending. We've allowed weak pastors to let so much sin come into the church. Wherefore, a true prophet of God is going, this is sin, this is sin, this is sin, stop it or get out, something like that. I mean, we have to turn the church around to stop sinning. The hearts of a prophet, they're direct, they're intense, they're burdened and sometimes they're frustrated. They're very tender and they reject, get rejected easily. Prophets are not influenced much by persecution or men's opinions. They're radical, they're often alone. However, I warn those of you that have a call in your life to be a prophet or prophetic anointing to not just go and be alone because you're going to start work listening to the wrong spirit if you do that. You need to be trained. A true prophet is very misunderstood. They're often rejected by weak pastors who don't understand their anointing. And again, number one is what? The will of God. Well, it's time for the quote of the day. Is this quote in the Bible? So finish this saying, hate the sin. Have you heard this saying before? Hate the sin, not the sinner. Now, is that in the Bible? It has to be in the Bible, right? Well, no, it's not. It was actually Gandhi. He wrote, hate the sin, not the sinner. He wrote in 1929, hate the sin and not the sinner. And then in Jude 122, it says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even a garment spotted by the spoiled by the flesh. So we're we are supposed to hate the sin, whether it's on ourselves or whether it's on somebody else. So that's actually what the scriptures say. Now Gandhi, you might say, well, he was such a great man. Surely that had something to do with God. No, he was not a Christian. He followed these teachings. He was a Hindu. He was a Buddhist. He also followed after Allah. 
So we have to understand that Hinduism, that's not of the Lord. Their God is not our God. Allah is the God of Muslims. He is not our God. Jehovah God is the God of Christians. Buddha, you know, they believe in moral law. They believe do good to someone, but that does not make them right. I encourage you again, go to traintheprophets.com and order this book, What It Takes to Be a Prophet. Especially of those of you that have a call upon your life and the prophetic, or maybe you have a call on your life you believe to be a prophet, this will help answer many of your questions. It'll set you free. Also, go to the website and find out when there'll be training in your area. So I encourage you, share this with all of your friends, this teachings. I also encourage you to click on like and share, subscribe, and then you can donate by giving by clicking on the link below. Email me for questions, leslie at traintheprophets.com or go to the website traintheprophets.com and see if there's a training session in your area and also see what materials might be on the website that you might like to get. If you're a pastor of a church and you would like to have me in, I encourage you to email me at leslie at traintheprophets.com. Go to my website, see what materials I may have that could help your congregation. I'd love to come in. God bless each of you that have endured this sound doctrine. And I pray that you receive the spirit of truth because the truth is going to make you free. In John 8, 20, in John 8, 32, excuse me, it says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Sometimes we say the word, it'll let you free. But God says in his word, it'll make you free. It'll make you want to do the right thing. The truth will make you free. If you've not accepted Jesus into your heart, Today, do it. It'll be the best decision you've ever made in your life. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Make me whole. I choose you today, Lord. I choose you this day. And then as for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, your life will never be the same. Prophet Leslie, this session is closed. <laughs>